Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, what has happened this morning so far has been so in alignment with what God has put on my heart to share this morning, so I'm excited about that and and want to kind of continue taking us through this journey about gospel influence, gospel influence. And so before we jump in, I just want to pray real quick. Lord, again, I thank you. I thank you, God. We, we trust you with our lives, God. And Lord, we're running after you. We're pursuing you because you're pursuing us, God. And you, you have such a love for us, Lord. And today we want to demonstrate that back to you. This morning we sung about you, God. We sung about surrendering to you. And coming into your presence, God. And so today we are here. And Lord, we're going to discover in each of our lives personally the things that are important and necessary for us to walk out your purpose and your plan in our lives. And we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 So here's a question. I'm not asking you to answer this, particularly shouting answers or anything. But is the message of the gospel, is it really good news? Well, people are answering anyway, which is okay. But that's a question because as I'm going through a couple things this morning, some people may not see it as good news. And the actions of our lives, those of us who are believers here today, do our actions demonstrate that it is good news? There's maybe a better question to ask. Do we reflect what happened at the cross as good news? Is that what people see in our lives? So... If you were kidnapped and you were held for a ransom, just out of the blue, you got kidnapped and you got run off somewhere and you were put in a dark room somewhere and they told you, unless somebody steps up and pays $5 million, we're going to kill you. You're done. That's a little bit scary. Right before you think that your life is going to end, the phone rings of that person who's holding you hostage And somebody says, I'm going to pay the $5 million to get you out. That's pretty exciting news. Some random person that you don't even know. Jordan, stand up here for a second, because I want you to just be able to physically put something to, just stand right there. All right, so Jordan paid $5 million for me to have, be able to have my life. So what do you think my action would be Whenever I see him, whenever I think about him, whatever in my life, this thing comes up, gratitude. Man, Jordan, I can't believe this. I can't, you know I can't repay you. This is the most incredible thing you ever, I, I don't even know you, but yet you put up the five million for me. I didn't deserve it. I mean, I, I have no idea. Hal, do you, can you, do you believe what this guy did for me? He paid, and he doesn't even know me, he paid. For my ransom, to get out. <laughs> Brett, I, I can't believe this. Can you believe? I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. Dad, I got to call him on the phone because he likes to talk on the phone. Dad, <laughs> Dad, I don't know what happened, but I was about to die. My life was going to be gone. And this guy, I don't even know, he shows up. We prayed for a miracle. You prayed for, I know you prayed for a miracle. And it happened. He showed up. He paid my ransom. He paid the $5 million. I owe you my life. What can I do for you? Anything. What can I do? 
Jordan, anything, you name it, man. You know I don't have the money to pay you, but what, what can I do? You know, I'm not asking you to answer that. But, but this is... <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's got it. I know his mind's turning like, yeah, I got a plan. But this is where I would be. This is where you would be at that in your life going, man, you go and sit down. I might use you again later. Let's look at a scripture in 1 Corinthians seven twenty three. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. Now, I like what the message version says because the message version says this. A huge sum was paid for your ransom. When Christ went to the cross and he gave his life for you, a huge sum was just paid that you would have life, that you would not lose your life, that you would not be condemned to eternity in hell. That ransom was paid. God says that right here. God paid a high price for you. So many of us as believers don't seem to reflect that in our actions in our daily life. We seem to just kind of forget about it, blow it off, whatever, and, oh, that was nice. I still have these things in my life. I'm still, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to, you know, fully kind of connect with this thing, to surrender, all those things we talked about. There was a time in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, probably just in, you know, he's thinking through this, thought process, and he's like, hey, Jesus, you know, if I hurt somebody, or excuse me, if somebody hurts me, you know, how many times do I have to forgive if they do it over and over? Like, maybe seven? Because he's thinking that's a lot of times to forgive, seven times. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? More like 70 or even more. Like, you just got to keep doing this over and over again. 70 times 7 times 100 times. He said, this, the kingdom of God is like this ruler who had these servants. He thought, I'm going to collect. There's a lot of debt owed to me, and I'm going to collect on that. He calls in one of the servants, owes him a million dollars. He said, hey, dude, you know what? I've let you go on this million dollars. I'm calling it due. You got to pay me. You got to pay me. I, I can't let you ride anymore on this debt. Oh, but... Sir, please, you please, I, I promise you, I'll figure it out. I promise you, I'll pay. Oh, please. Well, mm, you got to my emotions. I see what you're going through. Okay, tell you what, I will forgive your debt. You don't owe me anything. It, let's call it complete. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You don't know how much that means to me. Boy, that just frees me up. But the moment he walks out of there, He's like, oh, I know this guy that owes me 10 bucks. And he goes right to him, and he grabs him by the neck, and he begins to choke on him. You owe me $10. Pay now. So what would your request to me be? Forgive me. Sorry, dude. I'm not forgetting. Nope. No more time. In fact, you're going to go to jail, and you're going to stay there until you can figure out how to pay it. But he's No, no. Nope. Wow. Something is a little off here. That's a little messed up, isn't it? What happened? Did he so quickly forget that million-dollar debt that was forgiven, and he, he had this idea, oh, hey, I can turn this into $10. He says he's begging for forgiveness. Nope, that's it. And that's exactly, though, our Father in heaven says, hey, I just forgave you. I just forgave you everything. 
And if you're not willing to forgive somebody else's debt, this is the reality, this is the word, then you're not getting forgiven from me. It doesn't work. He's forgiven us unconditionally. And we put all kinds of conditions on everything when we're dealing with people. We've got conditions. And he started off unconditionally. Jesus isn't messing around when he commands us, you got to love people. You got to show grace to people. You got to show mercy to people. You have to forgive people. He's telling us, and he's living this out for a reason. But yet, so often in the church today, people have this idea that they have to still control their life and situations and how people, what people do and how they do it to them and what you're going to do for someone else and you're going to come in and choose whether or not you're going to forgive based on whatever the pain that got caused and so you have all these evaluations you go through. The gospel wasn't put there and created for us to give us the right to evaluate everything and try to come up with what it should mean. When Jesus said, this is what I did, there's no clauses, there's no addendums, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I came to save the world. I've come and I've given you an assignment. I've given you an assignment so that if you've received what I've done for you, which those of us who are here today and we're believers and we have received that, then what are we doing to reflect or to show or to demonstrate that that really impacted our life and that we received that? If I'm going to be influenced by the gospel, then I must live my life expressing love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, not being judgmental. Oops, that's a tough one to pull back because we have to have the right to judge, don't we? Because who else is going to keep my brother in Christ in line? If, If it's not me, then nobody else is going to. And it doesn't seem like God's doing it. Boy, we get in these places in our life and our thought process that just are messed up. And we don't recognize the good news. James 4.11 talks about if we criticize and judge others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we're going against God's law. We're criticizing and judging his law. Because what is his law? What's the command? That we love. But we choose to criticize and judge. What I was demonstrating with how much I was so appreciative of what Jordan did for me, we need to be that way about what Jesus did for us on the cross. We need to be so excited. I've got to tell somebody. Man, I tell you what, I was lost. I was doomed for eternity in hell and somehow some way this guy who I who didn't even know me I don't know that I don't know who this is but they went and they gave their life for me on the cross so that I would have an abundant life that I would live that I would enjoy my life not just here on earth because remember this is just a kind of a hangout place for eternity because eternity is eternity that's forever where life here on earth is just but a blip it's a moment But we put everything in this moment. That's our tendency is to do. We put everything in the moment. If we're kingdom thinkers, we got to be thinking about eternal kingdom things. But we do. We become earth thinkers and what's important to us here on earth, which in the reality, in the scope of things, doesn't really matter. Does he want to bless us here on earth? Absolutely. But it's always, there's always something that he takes us to. He says, if you want me to do this, then you need to do this. 
Let's look at a portion of scripture in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. This is Jesus. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if anyone of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, Jesus says, in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, will be ashamed of that person when he returns to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Wow, is this really good news? Man, that sounds harsh. That doesn't sound good. I, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Jesus was in the presence of a crowd that was pretty riled up. Caesarea Philippi, and it was heathen territory. This wasn't a good place where he's at, and he's saying these kinds of things. Man, if you're not willing to lay it all down, if you're not willing to take up your cross, if you're not willing to die to yourself, if you're not willing to give it all up, then you can't be a part of what I'm doing. Wow, that sounds hard. That sounds harsh. So he wants to explain his philosophy of life and death, and Jesus is talking to these people. Give up your own way. That's got to be hard. God, I don't think I can give that up. But what it is telling is it, it's saying, let right now at once, immediately, when we make that decision, immediately we begin to lose sight of ourself and our selfishness and our own interests and begin to take on his character, his interests, and what he's about. Because we try to mix those things, and we get in trouble. Because we try to figure out, how can I bring God into what I'm doing? And how can I make that work? When he's saying, nope, you, gotta, you have to cut it. Immediately, we have to stop whatever that is and embrace what he's doing. He's telling this because he loves us. Take up your cross. The cross was an instrument of death. It symbolizes death. So take up your cross. So put to death whatever it is that you're holding on to. Those things that you think are carrying you through your life. The things that you've kind of been leaning on that have been crumbling. And he says, follow me. Follow me. To, to follow me, to follow Jesus, it's, it's to become his disciple, to become one who walks with him and one to hang out with him, one to build relationship with. That's part of following him. The word follow here, if you look it up, it's to take the same road as another does. It is let us or let whoever follow with him. Not 10 steps behind, but with. It's that working together, that relationship of being able to communicate and walk with and share life with. So many people, they look at God or at Jesus as somebody that's a distant person, a distant figure that we just sort of try to track around a little bit. And he's like, no, come and hang out with me. Come and follow right next, come right next to me. We're going to do life together. We're going to do this thing together. It's not the idea of following behind, but it's an accompanying them. Take the same road and fellowshipping with him along the way. That's part of our life. So the question could be, is the road I'm on now leading me on the path of righteousness, having relationship with Jesus, following, being with him? Is, is that the road I'm on now? Or is that a road that I think hopefully someday I'll get there? But I'm on this path called my life right now, and I'm kind of busy, and I'm kind of tied up in things that I'm trying to figure out right now? Or have we, as Jesus is asking, man, you've got to put it all down. 
you got to lay it down and you got to, if you're going to do this thing, that's why my question is, is it really, is the gospel, is it really good news or is it just a hard road? Well, we obviously find that it, there's something incredibly good about it, but we have to give up the things that already aren't working. So we've tried them over and over again. They're just not working. And we're like, if I just do this a different way, if I just find the right guy, it'll work. If I just find the right girl, if I can just find the right school, if I could just find the right church, how's church done anyway? You know, it's funny because I think about how everybody's got their way of doing church. Is that really how it's supposed to be done? I don't know. It's because somebody the year before, a generation before did it that way, so that's why we're doing church the way we do. Well, what'd they do in the, in the first church, early church? Man, they sold everything and gave it to the poor. And they, it was all about the community and, and taking care of each other and looking after and, and worshiping together and so forth. But there wasn't all the, probably didn't have all the programs and all the things to try to tickle people's ears to try to get them at least come and just see. It's like, no, we're just, we're just going to serve people. We're going to love people. We're going we're to preach Jesus and him crucified, resurrected. And we're going to pe- preach his life. It's incredible. So often we complicate church, and then we go to church, and we're like, oh, I don't, know, I don't think I like this church because they don't agree with what I believe. Well, do what you, is what you believe right? <laughs> is what they believe wrong? I don't know. We get all this thing. Instead of going into, we go to church, and we say, man, I just want to love Jesus. I just want to connect. I want to worship him, and I want to thank him, and I want to tell somebody, look what he did for me in my life. Come on. He, he paid my ransom. He paid it all. We have to have something that stirs in us that when we get out in the community that we can't help but go, you know what, man, I see you're sitting here struggling in your stuff. Can I just give you just a little taste of maybe my experience, what God has done for me? And you can do what you want with it, but I'm just sharing you, this is what God's done for me. It's our testimony. It's our testimony. The first three statements we talked about, the give up your way, follow after, and taking up, those are things that need to be followed and taken in immediately. Those aren't someday down the road. Jesus is saying, man, you got to do this now. Because down the road, is, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. Just not being able to get rid of that ball and chain of whatever that thing that's been, you're carrying that thing around with you. That's why he's saying, if you can get rid of that right now and go 100% at me, follow me. Come hang out with me. Come build relationship with me. I'm going to rock your world. Your life will be amazing. Will it be problemless? No. But I'll tell you what, he's going to be carrying you through a lot of that. He's going to be there with you. He's going to, people are going to be around you to encourage you. Really a believer in Jesus Christ, if, if we truly are, then we're not our own anymore. <laughs> he paid a price for us. We're not our own. He bought us. He paid an enormous price for us. We belong to him. We're the Lord's property. <laughs> I think I saw the t-shirts years ago, God's property or something like that. Yeah, and, that, and that's what we are. We belong to him. The word follow, it commands us to do an action. And following isn't just once. It's, it's habitually. Follow, 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 follow. We wake up every morning. Who are we following today? We're following Christ. We're following Jesus. We're hanging out with him today. The odds are against you, really, of doing this on your own. If you think you're going to do it on your own, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. But without absolute surrender, of self, this journey can't be successful. I'm just telling you, that's what the word says. I'm trying to encourage us this morning again, and and you probably said, man, Steve, you've been talking about this for a few weeks now. But until we really get it, we got to get this. We got to get this. So I talked to a lot of people who haven't discovered what it is to have the joy 
of living their life with Christ. There's something that's missing. And just maybe it's that I haven't really laid down my agenda, my plan. And I haven't really picked his up. His is a nice idea. I'm sure it works for all those other people. I just can't see myself doing that. I can't see myself giving up this. But the reality is, I know for me personally, every time the Lord has spoken to me in such a gentle way, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, Steve, I need this part of you. And in my mind, I'm like, Lord, you know, though, that I like this. He goes, I know you do, but, but if you trust me, you're going to like what I'm going to do better than that. But we, it's hard for us because we don't really trust that he has that for us. In reality, he does because he has our best interest at heart. And so we have to be willing to let go of those things. The word life that was used basically hanging on to or giving up life is not referring to our physical life. We were talking about, as Jeff referred to earlier, the soul. We're talking about our soul here. We're talking about the part of man that our will comes from, that our thinking process, our mind, our will, emotions, or the power of reasoning, all the things that we do, our emotions, and all these things that get tied in. So God's created man so that man, us, you and I, we do not find complete satisfaction in life until we surrender fully to his plan. Otherwise, we just struggle. God created us that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was his idea. Yeah. I think there was a song, too, several years ago. There was a God-shaped hole in all of us or something. There's a, there's a hole in all of us. There's something, there's a void in every one of our lives that can't be filled by anything except for him. Man, we all know, we see it, if you watch TV, the news, if you go to concerts, if you, anything that you see out there that's related to fame, fortune, money, actors, actresses, people that you think are famous, and then you dig into their lives and you see they've got everything. They've got fame, they've got money, they've got the houses, they've got the cars, and they've got all these things, and you think, that's what, man, that's good. And when you hear their story, they're hurting, they're in pain, they feel lost, they're depressed. You think, how can somebody be depressed? It's because they haven't found that only thing that can fill that void. And that's Jesus Christ. This is, again, Jesus' teaching. This is not him giving the term upon which we will gain salvation. We're talking about self-denial. And self-denial will not save your soul. <laughs> Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can save your soul. So we're talking about here, there's something about denying ourselves, taking up his cross. The lack of self-denial together with self-satisfaction will result in his Going into eternity, a lost sinner. <laughs> we don't want that. If it's just about self-denial and self-satisfaction, all those things. It's, it, the world system, which is a system which Satan runs, we get caught up in the world and the things of the world. And then he goes on to say, if any man is ashamed of me. Think of that, and, it, and I think it... <laughs> but I believe that this is a statement about the future conduct of or it's not a statement about future conduct, but about our present attitude towards Jesus. What is our attitude toward him right now? Obviously, if our attitude was shame, because that happens so often, we see that. We're ashamed of who he is. Well, I don't really want people to know that I have given my life to Christ. They'll think I'm weird. They'll think I'm, like, not confident, that I can't take care of myself, that I'm not strong, that I'm weak. So we have this whole thing, but Jesus is like, man, if you can't stand up and say, 
man, I, I am so glad that I have this man named Jesus Christ in my life. He paid my ransom. I am not ashamed of him. We understand Peter went through some stuff, too, in that regard. You know, we're not, you know, locked in 100% unless we process this properly. But those that are ashamed of Christ, where he's despised, and if we're ashamed of him here, says he will be ashamed of us in that place where he's eternally adored in, in, in glory in heaven. There, man, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> he comes in all of his glory, to take a bride. But then there's that judgment day that he comes to judge because that's what he has to do. And the fact that he would refuse to claim us as his own if we were shameful of him. Lord, I don't want, I don't want that. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me if I have lived my life in that way because I can reflect back and I can think of times where I actually struggle with that. And I could use the word shame. I know it's not a word people like to use because it sounds harsh. But basically, it's just that you're embarrassed to embrace that. And we need to break through that barrier and realize that, man, we got something that people need. We have a Savior that paid a ransom. And we need to let people know that so they can experience the same thing for themselves. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jews first and also the Gentile. This good news, the gospel message, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. He tells us how to do it. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The gospel message is good news. Man, when I, when I read this, like, okay, Lord, I've got to come to that place. I am not ashamed of the good news of the gospel message because it's the power of God to save. It's the power of God to bring salvation to the lives of everyone out there. God, I, we're on an assignment. If we can receive that and get out of our own way, become followers of Jesus, and live in close relationship with him, I'm telling you, nothing better than that. He'll take care of all the other stuff. I know there are times where I've talked to people that have been suffering a great deal in, in certain situations in their life. And we all understand just varying degrees of what it is to suffer through things. But what the enemy wants to get us to do is to focus on our suffering and that whole idea of, woe is me and why is this happening God why are you doing this or allowing this and all that it's the enemy that loves to come and try to put that on us but if we take our eyes off the suffering and, and, and put them on the one who has all the answers the solutions who is our redeemer our savior our lord and begin to let him work it's interesting what happens when we begin to out of even our pain and suffering so we begin to minister out of that to others that God begins to break through for us there's a breaking where the enemy wants to pull us in and put us in that black closet somewhere where God's saying come on break out break out share who I am we are carriers of his presence 
So this morning, are you ready to fully surrender to him and to his plan and say, you know what, I, I've kind of messed this up enough on my own. Lord, I, I thank you, God, for your forgiveness. I receive it this morning. Because some of you here today, you're having a challenge with forgiveness. He's come here today to set that, clear that up for you this morning. First of all, you know you've been forgiven, and it's important to forgive. We're not going to harbor things. We're not going after the somebody that owes us $10. Because Jesus just paid our ransom. It's good news. It's good news. Let's stand this morning. And we're going to sing. And let's focus on him this morning as we sing this song and be fully abandoned into him. Like the uh, picture that Diana painted during worship about if Jesus was standing right there with us, right in front of us, what would we say to him? I'd like us to leave with that thought today as we live our lives each day. And every morning you get up, talk to him as if he was right there with you and the appreciation you have for him. And throughout the day, because you're hanging, he's hanging out with you. His Holy Spirit dwells in you. Have those conversations. Begin to get to know him. As we are singing, I want to know you. I really want to know you, Lord. He begins to reveal things to us as we get to know him more. He's got all this stuff figured out. We're the ones that don't have it figured out yet. But let's trust him in that. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Right? In the morning and when you go to bed. Good night, Holy Spirit. Of course, he never goes to sleep. <laughs> if you need prayer for anything else and you're here today, we're, we want to pray with you. We have our prayer pastors here and others that will pray with you if you have any need whatsoever. If you want to get to know this Jesus Christ that paid your ransom, he's here for you today. I pray for you as well. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 